0: Hi guys, thanks for listening to Library Overload. This is Susie and this is Tavia. Don't forget as usual, you can check out our blog. It's libraryoverload.home.blog. I'll list all of the books we talk about in every episode so you can check that out. And then we're also on Instagram at library Overload there. okay guys it's buddy read week i chose the book and we didn't have to cancel the book i know you (laughs) chose the book we made it through the book life has been restored to a normal order (laughs) yeah it was a very rough beginning of the year with your book club picks (laughs) yeah i didn't start it off well But I feel, I feel redemption in this book. Redemption, absolutely. So we read The Thirteenth Tale by Diane Setterfield. This is a book that has been on my to-read list for ages. Yes. And I eventually convinced Tavia to buy the book when it was on bargain at the used Mm -hmm. bookstore. And so we have both had it for a while. So we get to check this one off of our owned and read list. Check, yes! yes! Very I exciting. Need to, I need to update my list on that and see kind of where I am. Yeah. We need to post uh, and keep our yes. audience who is surely enthralled to know, I know. where we are. They're with bated breath, I am certain. On the pins and the needles. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So. The Thirteenth Tale. I don't even know how I heard about it. I don't know. I didn't really know anything about it. Me either. You meet Margaret. Margaret. Yes. Okay. I'm real Before bad. Before we with get this. into that, let me just say, y'all, this was a roller coaster. You keep thinking it's Ew. gonna go one way, and then it hard right turn. Yeah. And then, I was like, what? I know. Like halfway through the book is like a big like, oh my god! But then you keep going, and it's like, oh, oh my god! <laughs> yeah, there was one passage where Margaret like put some stuff together, and she's like, oh, oh, oh! And I was like, me too, girl, me too. <laughs> I am with you, Margaret. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was three o's. Yeah, three o dams as I'm Captain so Holt would give the other day. <laughs> That's one of my favorite Brooklyn Nine-Nine episodes. Oh, Sterling K. Brown is the bad guy, and so the whole episode is just him being interrogated by Captain Holt and Jake Peralta, and it is magnificent. It really is. One and of their the best monologuing episodes. at the end is just. Really oh, is damn. oh damn! Oh <laughs> damn! That is three O damns.: It's yeah. fantastic. It really is good stuff. Okay, and that's what I thought when Margaret uh, did the three O's. <laughs> I like it. See, okay, all right. So let me get a synopsis first, and then we'll then we'll get to talking. Okay. So the, we start out. We meet Margaret. Margaret works in the bookshop that her father has owned for many many years. They specialize in antiquities. Uh, specifically, they make most of their money by very lucrative deals with very very rare and Magnificent Books. I, I would want, love to meet them. Yes! I want this job! Yes. But they also have a little bookshop that people can come in and peruse, but they say sometimes they'll go a day without any um, any shoppers at all. Yeah. That's not where they make their money. So one day Margaret comes home and she has received a letter from is, there, is it Vita? Vida. Vida Winters. And Vida has written Margaret saying, I want you to come meet with me and I'm finally going to tell the truth. I'm finally going to allow someone to know about my background, my history, where I come from, and I want you to be the biographer for me. And she's like, first of all, I only deal with the dead. Like, only the dead authors. And second of all, you're a contemporary author, and I don't ever read those. (laughs) And so just right off the bat, she's like, no. But then she's like me, and she's like, oh, but now I'm kind of intrigued. Mm -hmm. And so she kind of talks herself in to going to meet Miss Winters. So this book had a little bit of everything you and I both like. Mm-hmm. It's got an old woman looking back and telling yep. her story. Yep. For me, it's it has the intrigue of, like, drama. Like, mm-hmm. I don't like to be in drama, but I love to watch it fall, like, fall, everything <laughs> yes. fall apart. I it was love almost a know. quintessential gothic novel. It was. It was very much a gothic novel because the way the letter that Vita writes her is so flowery and so like like I'm sitting in a castle and it's raining at the moors and just yeah like it's it's very much Jane Eyre like to a T it's just a more modern Jane Eyre basically Um but this oh my well, god I mean it's like, not a retelling though like no no it's, it's not a retelling very... but it's the um, atmospheric, yeah, yes. It's, it's there very are many much... correlations to several uh, gothic novels yes. mentioned in the novel a lot. So this to me felt a little bit like uh, Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo, where whereas it's a an obscure author slash journalist is at is is plucked out to write someone big's biography. Yeah, and Vida is an author, and she has written many stories over the years. And so she's a very prolific, famous author, but every time anyone comes to do her biography, she has lied to them. Yeah, like, she says that she grants a limited amount of journalists to come and meet with her every year whenever she's, you know, putting out a new book. And every single time they ask her, tell me about yourself, it's always a different lie. So, of course, Margaret, like, looks her up a little bit just to kind of see who she is and why she would want. And she counts, like, 20 separate lies. Mm -hmm. Like, one time she's um, a nun's uh, nun's child, like, from an affair. Yeah. And then another one she was just an orphan. Like, she's just got all these different stories about where she's come from. Mm -hmm. And no one has ever gotten the truth from her. So that's what she says that she's gonna finally tell the truth, and so Margaret goes into the interview and tell says, "Tell me three things that are verifiable that I can one hundred percent confirm, and Which if you and if I find out that it's a lie, I'm done." Right, and it's so good, yeah. like just the just the, I know for you, you said it took you a while to get into it, right? Yes, it took me a minute, like the whole. Margaret's beginning story to get to her to Vida's house was a bit slow for me. Uh, But once we got back in time to the yonder days a little bit more, I I thought it started to pick up. See, she got me on the second page when when she says, when she walks into the shop and she sees the letter there, she says, still in my coat and hat, I sank onto the chair to read the letter. I never read without making sure I am in a secure position. I've been like this ever since the age of seven when sitting on a high wall and reading The Water Babies. I was so seduced by the descriptions of underwater life that I unconsciously relaxed my muscles. And instead of being held buoyant by the water that so vividly surrounded me in my mind, I plummeted to the ground and knocked myself out. (laughs) Like, (laughs) that was, that's, seriously, it's like the second page. And I was like, all right, you've got me because i was the kid that tried to walk and read at the same time That's so funny. i would like just yeah. hit things head on <laughs> like fall over so i was like all right girl you got me That's you are funny. me this so, yeah. is a very flowery ode to books to reading to stories in the general classics yeah. yeah like when we first start out and especially reading vita's letter to margaret i was like Ugh. I don't know because uh, yeah, it was you text me. Very like, flowery. flowery. <laughs> I was. It's very flowery, um, but I got used to it and I kind of loved it because books aren't written that way anymore. No, they're definitely not. And so it's very much an ode to how people used to speak and write and think and all of that and when you first meet Vita, she literally talks like that. Very flowery. And it's, it's very much, um, pretentious. Mm-hmm. And, and I always like to say that a little bit of pretentiousness never hurt anybody. <laughs> and it was just enough that I was like, you know what? I'm all right with it. Like I could, <laughs> I could deal with this just because it's, it's just, it's, description in a way that you don't get anymore and I really like really it. I really picked her up as being pretentious as so much guarded like she had built up very specific walls and a very constructed thing that a role that she was having to play and to be in that role is kind of the the way that I felt she came across is like this isn't really her true self but she's playing this role that she's kind of forced herself into at this point. Maybe, but I also felt like when she first starts talking, like when Vita, Vida, Vida, sorry, when Vida first starts speaking to Margaret, like she goes onto this tangent about being polite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is pretty funny. I thought that was really hysterical. I thought it was, she said, politeness. Now there's a poor man's virtue if ever there was one. What's so admirable about inoffensiveness I should like to know? After all, it's easily achieved. One needs no particular talent to be polite. On the contrary, being nice is what's left when you failed at everything else. That's <laughs> pretension. That <laughs> is too was just, much. I thought it was just really funny. I just, but it's funny if she wasn't being serious, but she's being serious, so she's pretentious. I guess I could see that. And so, like, I was just like, "Lady, you need to calm down. Like, that is too much." But it's also like so intriguing. Like, why are you like this? Mm-hmm. That I that it just keeps you reading. Yes, that was the whole thing that kept me going. Like, what happened? What happened? Like, I have to know. And it just it was. And it and it only gives you a little bit of the time. It was so like, much Like, Just suspense. a little bit. I know. Like just. Bananas. Mm-hmm. I also think that your sister, if she was a big reader, she would like this book. Really, because of all the twinness. Yes, they did not portray twins all that sanely in this novel. True. <laughs> That's definitely True. a, a gothic slash Victorian thing as well. Just the whole twins twin... being creepy. Mm-hmm. Because they were mm-hmm. so unusual or so unknown.
1: That yeah. They,
0: it inherently had to be something wrong with them. Yeah. They are a little creepy, though. But I did listen to the book a little bit, so that's why I have the, the Vita incident. Mm-hmm. So I do books. rely on you to listen to a book, even a little bit, just so I know yeah. the pronunciations. I know. Usually I will do both and switch back and forth, like doing dishes or laundry or something or at work. Yeah, I don't I commute do. anymore. So No, I I know. I'm so behind on podcasts because I don't have my commute anymore that I'm like, dang it, I'm gonna have to start listening to these just like sitting down. <laughs> <laughs> Chris will come home one day and I'm sitting in a dead silent house with headphones on. <laughs> <laughs> that would be funny. But yeah, I need to I need to start listening to audiobooks because like yeah, when I'm Uh, when I'm, like, washing dishes or something, I could be listening to a book. I Mm -hmm. should. I just, I can't, I can't focus on stuff like, I can't focus when someone's just talking to me. I need to be watching something and, like, hearing it, or I will not consume it. That makes sense. Because my ADD-ness is just like, you're talking about flowers? I remember one time when I was a kid, and my grandma had a flower bed, and I played in it, and, like, I'll just be gone. That's funny. Gone. I have been seeing a lot on the interwebs, uh, a lot of people who are experiencing kind of what you and I have been experiencing with the reader's guilt. Uh, you know, yeah. Like having a, all this time and you think you're going to read so much and then not, and then feeling bad about it, mm-hmm. which is really interesting. Yeah. I think it's just people were excited initially because it's like, I have all this time, but now it's like, oh, this is serious. Mm -hmm. So, like, now no one can actually focus on something. I totally get it. I think, though, I sat down, so we record on Sundays. And as of Friday, I had not opened the book. And so I read, like, 20 pages on Friday. So Saturday morning I woke up and I was like, okay, it's going to be a marathon. Let's get it done. And I sat down and I read all day that is impressive guys it's a 406 page book well I mean that's nothing though for like for me the way I read though I am I I am well aware that I am kind of a mutant when it comes to reading I read like not even abnormally fast it's like more than that and I know that and I know it's weird I can knock out about a hundred pages an hour Um, I usually can read about 60 to 100 depending on how my focus is hmm but it truly um, really has to depend on that. Right, but doing that, though, forcing myself to get in a comfy chair, get me some snacks, I got a glass of wine, I got my fuzzy blanket, forcing myself to do that, I think it switched a flip. Uh, switched a flip? It did not. We can make it catch on, it's a thing. <laughs> it flipped a switch in my brain, I think, because earlier today, I was like, you know, I have that uh, I have that art at that ARC that I haven't picked up and that just came out, and I've been dying to read it. I should probably pick it up tonight. Mm-hmm. And that hasn't happened to me in weeks. Yeah, that's And exciting. I was like, oh, I think it's happening. I really, I was, I enjoyed just sitting and binge reading this because I, I did start it, but I would only get, like, 20, 30 pages at a time before, like, I felt my attention being pulled elsewhere. And so... I didn't get through it until like the bulk of it I read yesterday and today. Well, I, I got half through it and I was half through by Friday. So between yesterday and today, I finished it. Like I finished it maybe 30 minutes ago. So it's still <laughs> kind of fresh in my mind. But I like to do it that way so I don't forget things. And then, oh, same. It comes up in conversation and it's like, oh, I hadn't even thought about that. And it's like you pull things out of me Mm -hmm. before I have a chance to conceive my own notions. Yeah, that's part of the reason why sometimes I don't start reading a buddy read until like super last minute. Just because, number one, I know I have to read it. So, like, I got to buckle down and do it. But also because I like to have it fresh on my mind. Because, number one, I'm terrible at remembering anybody's names Me much too. less a character i'll be Usually like what was, that? what was that sister's friend's name i don't know like yeah i, I did that last week with i think the kiss quotient i couldn't remember her name i looked it up afterwards it was stella by the way <laughs> but if i don't write it down specifically in my notes mm-hmm. i am almost guaranteed to have forgotten it already same. even though i just spent days with these people mm-hmm. <laughs> nope, it's so I'm weird same. okay are we ready to get to the spoilery parts sure I was gonna say the only one thing that this book made abundantly clear is my lack of classic literature readings I yeah. really really want to buckle down and try to read some this year like I'm dying to get through Jane Eyre I have a beautiful copy of it it's so pretty. it is pretty I have that that edition but Sense and Sensibility and it's so pretty it's this pretty cloth bound pink and it's oh. Mm-hmm. and sense and sensibility is my favorite jane austen mm-hmm. and i want to read it this year and ugh, i just got to i just got to do it yes and while i was looking through like book club questions and things like that when we were right waiting to get go going there's a website that i found that has margaret's recommended reading list oh, and it's cool. got all of the Jane Eyre, all of the books that are referenced in the novel. All so, the Bronte sisters are listed, I'm sure. Yes, yes, and The Lady in White and all of the... Because they mention a ton of books in this, mm-hmm. in this book. It's like stories within stories within mm-hmm. stories. So we'll link that on the blog. And you guys can check out that recommended reading list. Um, also, at one point, Margaret is sick. And so the doctor comes to see her and he speaks <laughs> to her for a while. I know what you're going to say. I was a little and irritated at he said that. Really? I thought it was hysterical and I was like, where is that doctor? Can I see that doctor? Are you taking new patients? Because it's more like she's in mourning and she's not actually sick. Mm-hmm. And so he just prescribes her to read Sherlock Holmes. Like well, he like literally that writes of that. It. I liked that part of it. But he basically said that she was afflicted like the characters in her novels. Oh, no, I didn't like that. I, yeah. perceived, <laughs> it as, I perceived it as she was finally allowing herself to mourn something that she never had. That makes sense. And so I didn't like that he said, you're right, I didn't like yeah. that he said that she was afflicted like a woman in one of the romance novels she reads. Yeah. But... Because that's a big thing in those novels is that yeah. if women get to reading too much, it muddles their minds. Yes. and and they become you know hysterical and that's that irritated me that he said that but i did like the prescription of sherlock holmes so that was yes <laughs> yes that made me want to pick up sherlock but i've read them all i have not but i have seen every adaptation of sherlock holmes <laughs> like movies tv shows all of that yeah i just got chris into watching the bbc sherlock and just rewatching them, I'm just like, God, this is so good. <laughs> I but really don't think you can appreciate that show though without the dramatic two year pauses between seasons. Oof. Yeah, that's rough, especially after what was it, season two? Yeah. When he was like, yeah. Yeah. Spoilers, but what? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then you had to wait two years. <laughs> yeah. Mm-mm. Before a new season. It's like, what No, three is this? Yeah. Okay. Spoilers. If you have not read it and you want to, please stop. Yes, because there is so much stuff that if you find out any little bit of it, it's going to, I think, ruin the experience for you. Yes. All right. You have been warned. All right. This bitch was like some poor raped woman's child. This book was so crazy. Nobody in it was normal. Everybody was insane. Literally. Like, at first, I thought that they were saying that it was triplets and they just hid one of them. Yeah. Like, put one of them in a closet because triplets was too weird, but twins was all right. Kind of. Yeah. But oh my God. But then, but then. You never find out her actual name, did you? No. Okay, because when I finished it, I was like, wait a second. She didn't have she a said, name. So they just, they like, hey, kid, come here. <laughs> like, I mean, she had to have a name, but she never mentioned it. it that's was, what, the, she kept calling her the ghost child in the story, and she's, at the end, Margaret was saying the child with no name. It was, it was Bananas. Yeah. That she was like a ghost, and they didn't give her a name, or she didn't say her name. Oh, my God. But also, but also, did we actually find out if it was Emmeline or Adelaide that survived no. the fire? No. Ugh, it's been, I've been ripping my hair out for 24 hours. Like, but yeah. which one was it? That's one of the book club discussion questions is, who do you think survived, Adelaide or Emmeline? And I think Really funny. I think it was Emmeline just because Adeline was batshit crazy. And she would have shown that. My only counter argument to that is when Adeline or Emmeline or whoever it is sees Aurelius. And kind of spazzes out. So, Emmeline I thought would have been happy to see him. But Adeline would have freaked. So... That was my only counter argument to that. All right. I can see that. But I think Emmeline would have freaked as well because, like, it's the child that she's been looking for this whole time and all of a sudden he's there. Like, that's a heart attack. Yeah. So I don't know. I think that's the point, though. Also. Hold on, though. But Adeline, I don't know if she ever actually saw Aurelius's father. And so, since he looked so much like his father, like, I don't think Adeline would have reacted at all. She would only like, just, who the hell is this guy? Like, Emmeline would have recognized him. And that's why mm-hmm. she flipped out. So I personally, for my sanity as well, but for personally... <laughs> I want, I think it was Emmeline that she rescued. I was leaning in that direction. Like I so said, that was my only hang up with that. But just because of the frailty of her mind, when Margaret finally meets her, like this person is clearly a mentally disturbed person. Well, yeah. And- well, they they even said like Emmeline um, way back in the day, she said she was slow. They said she was a dumb young girl but men didn't care because they don't want a woman to be able to talk to them yeah that was fun but yeah so I just that kind of linked it for me as well especially when Margaret sees Emmeline out in the garden and she doesn't speak actual words to her Mm -hmm. that yes I think I think it was Emmeline and get that. Did you figure out that it was a third child? No. Before the Revi- no, I had no. no <laughs> not Apparently, even a little there bit. were clues dropped through the whole thing. Did not catch that at all. The clues for me, I was just like, well, duh, there—it's a haunted house. Like, of yeah. course, so many people have well, died there. I kept there. waiting for them to tell us about the ghosts. Yes, like, literally, kept, everyone or, does. Or I thought somehow Isabel didn't go to the asylum and she was the ghost in the house. Like, I thought, like, yeah, that was where I started going. Mm -hmm. Like, not even a little bit did I think that there was a third kid. No, it never occurred to me at all. Maybe that's our lack of knowledge from the classic literature. Maybe. Another thing I was going to mention, only when Adeline started speaking coherently and went and spoke to the the man that handled their money and all of that yes thank you like only when she started like kind of taking the reins and like doing things but I was like this is weird but I was like but maybe she's grown out of her crazy yeah that's one of the things that I was like and then she switched the use of pronouns yeah it was like I and then we and then yeah And so when she started saying, I did this, I was like, oh, okay. So this is Adeline grown up. But I was Mm -hmm. like, but that's really weird. Like, how did she all of a sudden not be a sociopath? Mm -hmm. It was just, it was. mm. Well, the way the story is presented is like, I really enjoyed that where she said you can't go out of order or it doesn't make sense. Right. And so to start at the beginning. So I thought that was really brilliant. It was really brilliant. But I think it was also what did you say how you pronounce her Vita? Vita. 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 Jesus. Vita. I think it was Vita's way of still being a storyteller. Like I'm gonna tell you the truth, but I'm mm-hmm. gonna tell it how a storyteller would tell it and build up that intensity and build up the suspense mm-hmm. by not revealing certain things. Yeah. Like She could have just mentioned, like, oh, when the twins were children, this random child showed up. Hey, that was me. Like, but she didn't. Like, so she was like, I'm going to tell you the truth, but I'm going to tell you in a very roundabout way that's going to freak you out. Yeah. She made it sound like she was a ghost the whole time. Yes. Especially when Hester... I want to talk about Hester in a second. But especially when Hester... Was on her way to the doctor's house. And saw the twins playing. Mm-hmm. Like I was like oh no. Most most definitely. There's a ghost child there. Mm-hmm. Like of course it is. There's no other explanation. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I immediately went to ghost. And I think that's the point. I think that's what, what the author wanted us to do. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed the way that there are no outside forces that come in on the story like clearly this story is set over the course of a couple of wars or different political things oh yeah nothing comes in so that you have this sort of out of timeness oh yeah because there because this is state they like basically oh what's the what's the story that i'm thinking of Almost like secret garden-esque. Mm-hmm. Like they just lock themselves away. Mm-hmm. No one comes and visits. There are no outside people. It is just this family in this house. Yes. Like, and it's just, it. it is baffling that like you don't meet a whole lot of other characters. You don't, like whatever. It's just, it's crazy mm-hmm. that it's. They just lock themselves away. It's like, it's a little bit of Miss Havisham. It's a little bit of Secret Garden. It's, it, yeah, it's got a lot of, a lot of gothicness to it. It's yes. got a little bit of Rebecca in it. It's, yeah, it's just a whole lot. Yes, a whole, whole lot. A whole lot. So, Vita, what is, how do you say her name? Vita. That's a stupid way to pronounce her own name. I think it comes from the Latin of life. I thought that was vita. I I thought it was vida. But they pronounced it Vita on the audio, so I don't know. <sighs> All right, vida. I'm going to keep pronouncing it wrong. You're going to have to keep correcting me. It's so fine. Vida starts her her story off with her grandfather. Whose wife has just died in childbirth, birthing his second child, who is a daughter named Isabella? Isabel. Isabella. Isabella. Isabel. So he kind of locks himself away after his wife dies. And they say it's really weird how, why he does that because they've been married for 10 years and normally the, the glittering <laughs> yes. love has, has gone away. Mm-hmm. And so he shouldn't be mourning for that long, which I thought was hilarious. But he was. He mourned hard. And the only way that he got a, got out of that grieving episode was his housekeeper plunked his newborn daughter into his lap and was like, deal with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and So eventually that got him out. So Isabel grows up kind of just the apple of her father's eye. And she also has to deal with his older son, who is nine years ten years older than her and he's a little sociopath Cray. but it ends up being she is two and they have this gross relationship very they... incestuous obsessive relationship where I but... can't quite decide if she enjoys or not oh I think she does because she is she is his equal in mm-hmm. every way I think she enjoys it too But there's definitely some weird genes in the blood. Yes. So they, so one day they meet these other kids. They're invited to a picnic when they're of age. They're invited to a picnic. And so they go and she kind of takes a liking to this other guy. Well, Charlie, her brother, freaks out about it. And so when Isabel leaves to marry this man, because she's knocked up, he loses his mind and just starts pillaging the yes. The daughters of the poor folk, not of the aristocrats, because he would get caught. But no one cares about the poor women, mm-hmm. Ugh. which is where Vida comes from. She is a child of rape whose mother drops her off at, is it Anglefield or is it Angelfield? Angelfield. Okay. Whose mother drops her off at Ang- Angelfield one day and so she is kind of raised as a triplet ish of mm-hmm. the twins that Isabel brings back with her after her husband dies well i secretly think that they are sisters not cousins because i think that that the babies were charlie's oh no 100 percent one of the reasons that they had so many mental issues yes. is because of the incestuousness dude i never put that together Whoa. Whoa. Mind the Yeah, I never put together that be that they were handicapped in different ways because of incest. I just thought they were just for the sake of the story, they were crazy. But no, you're right, it was totally because they were children of incest. Whoa. And that's why Vida was so sane. Whoa! you just blew my mind i just blew your mind you're welcome okay okay so fast forward several years the twins are now just screwing up everything in their little village they steal someone's baby because they want the Stroller, not the I baby. I've always wanted to know why the British call that a pram. I so don't now know I am, either. I am, well, no, it's perambulator. That was the word. And so it's a, okay. Pram is a shortened option of it. Okay. Okay. I don't want to tell you how long it took me to figure out that a perambulator was a pram, aka a stroller. I actually I had to look it up. I don't want to tell you how long it took me, but it was until the child was taken. That's how long it took me to figure out that the pramulator was a stroller. Well, they kept saying it, and I kept wanting to know what it was, so I went and looked it up. Well, so I was a... like, I was like, surely at one point they'll explain. They can't think that people know what this word means. Well, it's a British author writing a British novel. Sure, everyone knows it. Okay, but I know what a pram is, but I just didn't know that it derived from pramulator. And so I was just like, I don't, I, in no way did I put all of that together. Apparently my brain was not working at all when I was reading this book. Apparently not. But mine wasn't really either, except I kept seeing that word. So I went and looked it up and I went, oh, that's why they call it that. Okay. But yeah, so the, the twins steal a pramulator with a child in it simply because they wanted to get in and ride the pram down the hill mm-hmm. so luckily the child was fine but anyways they decide something has to be done with these twins so they send the doctor over there uh well they ask the doctor to go but the doctor is like oh wife will you do this for me well the wife ends up attacked by the twins mother isabel mm-hmm. and so then the doctor has her committed <laughs> to an asylum i mean to be fair she probably deserved to be there and so did charlie but we're so honest. did charlie but they leave charlie out he's it's a man not- Oh, vomit but so they leave the twins there and decide that what they need is a good governess so they bring a governess her name is Hester she starts out really great yes starts out real great yes but then they have this harebrained scheme that the twins will do better if they're separated and so in the middle of the night they steal Adeline and they take her over to the doctor's house and they traumatize these poor (laughs) children and then Then the poor twins just lose their minds to the point where they can't speak, they can't function, they can't do anything. Although, Emmeline starts improving. Because the ghost child comes out and plays with her while Adeline is gone. So she still has contact with the sister-esque Oh my god! I forgot about the ghost kid. It's the whole thing of the whole book. How did you forget about it? Because I was just like, oh, Emmeline was fine. She wasn't. She wasn't slow. It was just Adeline that pushed her down and beat the crap out of her. And that's why she was a little slow. And so I thought she was just getting better because Adeline wasn't there beating the hell out of her. Again, in my defense, we don't learn about the third child until like 10 pages left. Right, but she does say at the end of it. She says, "Yes, when Adeline was gone, I got to play with Emmeline, whom I loved, but I couldn't play with her when Adeline was there because Adeline was so jealous and because Emmeline's love for her twins superseded everything else." Oh, this book! It was really a roller coaster, guys. I'm telling you. Uh, so, anyways, so Isabel's taken to asylum hester comes in traumatizes the kids then hester kisses the doctor and she is sent away well then the kids just grow up they've got the gardener they've got the housekeeper and then charlie keeps himself locked away oh i have a question about charlie but so they grow up when they get about 15 ish 16 ish um one day charlie is missing they decide what that they're the gardener is like, hey, we need to find out what the heck's going on with Charlie because he hasn't eaten any of his food that the poor housekeeper has set up there. So they go, Charlie's gone. His rooms are disgusting. Yes. So then they're like, oh, he's gone. Who's going to figure out how to run the home, The ha- like the money, all of that, blah, blah, blah. Well, um, the house is falling apart, literally. The poor housekeeper is almost brained by ceiling coming down because the roof she's not well to begin with because she's a hundred years old and she's got dementia and she has hearing and and eye problems yes so she's almost brained by the roof but then later that night she dies which is sad because I liked her she was very sweet but then so they're like well very sweet yes who wasn't crazy in this house True. no one so the it's just the gardener and the girls And so the gardener needs help to keep the garden because they basically have no money. And so they have to just rely on what they can grow to eat. And so the gardener has a village boy come over and help. And so he goes and he helps. And I guess Emmeline. No, I guess ghost girl Vida is the one that speaks to what was the kid's name? the boys. Do you remember? Ambrose? Yes. She speaks to Ambrose and kind of has this nice friendship and he actually kind of likes her, but she's rude to him one day and so he backs off. But then he she sees the way he looks at Emily, and she's like, no. But then he does. And then Emily ends up pregnant. Hmm. And meanwhile... John, the gardener, also dies during the midst of this So it's just the three girls left and then the outside boy. Yes. I forgot about John dying. That was sad too. I liked him. Mm -hmm. Um, So John dies. The girls, uh, one of them's knocked up. The other one's a sociopath. And then the poor sane one, Vida, is just like, oh, I got to keep things going. Yes. And she plays it off like she's one of the twins. And that's Mm -hmm. how she keeps her identity hidden and still keeps everything kind of running. Yes, yeah, so she pretends sometimes to be crazy, so she's Adeline and all of that, and so um, Emmeline gives birth, and the love for, uh, for her child is finally more than the love that she has for her twin, and the sociopath can't deal with it, tries to she's kill the baby. so jealous, yes. Tries to kill the baby, um, Vita stops her, she tries to kill the baby again, and that's when the fire happens. So, um, Vida takes the baby to this very sweet older lady's home that lives by herself, knows that the lady will take care of the baby for her, and comes back. And the library's on fire, and Emmeline is finally standing up for herself and fighting Adeline. And in the midst of the fire, Vida goes in, tries to save Emmeline, tries to tell her that the baby is safe. Emmeline is burnt terribly, and well, whoever she gets out of the fire is Yes, burnt one of terribly. the sisters, one of the twins perishes in the fire, and the other is saved. But you don't really know which one she saves. She didn't know which one she saved, because her face had been so damaged, and, mm-hmm. and she just didn't really know. And she never really says, and I hate it. And then that sister dies, and then Vita dies, and there's no you're one left to tell the story. Well, you're left with um, uh, Aurelius, who was a foundling, and he is now sixty years old, and he's never known where who his parents were, why he was left with Mrs. Love, and but he knows that Angelfield is where he was born, and he just has this feeling, but he just doesn't know. And it's insane. Yes. And then after the fire, the ghost child then decides to become Vida Winter and literally erases all knowledge of her previous life and starts a fresh, whole new one. So that's why nobody has known anything about her. Right. She didn't exist before. Right. And. But when they, when I guess the old school version of paramedics, whatever, come, they're like, which twin are you? And she doesn't speak and neither does the injured twin. And so they just decide that she is now Adeline, line because, again, no one knew about her and it's just bananas. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. But... B-A-N-A-N-A-S. I would like to talk more about Hester and her life and how that went she was crazy too i think that she had good intentions i I I think she had good intentions i think she got lost in her in her her experiment like she couldn't see the damage she was doing she got lost in the experiment because one she found a man that was willing to listen to her and um Appreciate her intelligence. That a woman shouldn't have. Yeah because at the beginning. She was trying to hide how smart she was. Yes. And so I really do think. That Hester was one of the same ones. In this story. Mm -hmm. She just. She just made bad decisions. Which is fine. Because I don't think that. I think that separating the twins. Was a good idea. Especially because it allowed. Emmeline. To start to grow on her own. Mm -hmm. Because at one point. Once Adeline comes back. Emmeline was like. Well I started enjoying these games. That I was playing by myself. And Mm -hmm. Adeline won't let me do it anymore. And so I think that separating them. Was a good idea. And I think that they should have had. Just Adeline taken away. Because I think Emmeline would have been fine. Mm -hmm. But. The crazy thing is that Hester went to America, and then just a couple years later, the doctor's wife dies, and he ends up going to America with her. Yes, and that made me a little bit happy. I appreciate at the end of the book that she gave us those little yes, little neat ribbons that were tied up. Yes, like I love when a book tells you, uh, you know, what happens to the side characters and doesn't just yes. Yes because and she and uh, Vida even get into a little argument about it because Vida's like she's a side character it doesn't matter and Margaret's like well I still want to know and that is me I am Margaret I want to know (laughs) give me all of the endings leave me with no questions although leaving (laughs) me with the question of whether it was Emmeline or Adeline that made it out I was that was all right because that's crazy. And then also the question of what was her name. Like she legitimately doesn't have whatever. She didn't have a name. Which is so sad. Because she even says like they tried to call me Mary. But it didn't stick. And that it just makes me so sad. Like that this poor kid. One. Was the product of something terrible. Two. That she was never given a name. And she just kind of had to. Wait for one twin to go away. Before the other would pay attention. And play. And it's just so sad. Mm-hmm. Her life was so sad. I mean everybody in the story. After the mother. Like the initial mother dies. Has a rough go of it. Yes. Like Isabelle and Charlie. The Mrs. and John. <laughs> well what's even terrible is. That Isabel and Charlie's father. Like he just. Couldn't accept the fact that Isabel was knocked up, so she had to go and marry a guy. Like, after that, he literally allows himself to die just because his daughter leaves to be mm-hmm. married. Like, because he was so enamored by her. Like, that just was kind of pitiful in another way. Mm-hmm. Like, the whole family, mm-hmm. insane. Yes. And the underlying thing of it all is that Margaret herself was a twin. That was she was a conjoined twin and they were separated at birth and the other twin died. And Margaret has always felt different. She has always felt like she is missing a piece of her. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of like the underlying current of the whole twin thing during the whole story. Yes. And I think somehow this is just me being presumptuous, but I think somehow Vida knew That she had a twin. And that's why she felt like. Margaret would tell her story well. I think that she said that she could kind of. When she read Margaret's biography. On the brothers that were twins. She somehow knew. That she had that kind of sibling knowledge. Like she understood it intimately. And Mm. that's why she picked her. You're right. She did say that. But I still feel that way. Well your feelings are valid. (laughs) But, no, like, this was a roller coaster in a really awesome way. Yeah, I was worried because it is so gothic and it is very flowery. I was worried you weren't going to like it. I was worried I was going to have a hard time getting into it. But I really enjoyed it. Well, yeah, I was worried that I was going to have a hard time getting into it because you said you had a hard time getting into it. But I literally, second page, I was like, oh, I'm in. Like, this is great. Um, And, yeah, and it just kept getting crazier and crazier. And that's what kept me going. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, I was dying to know. I was like, I have mm -hmm. to understand what's happened. How did we get from here to here? Yes, yes. Um, Yeah, the whole thing was just berserk. In in a really cool way. Like, I just, yeah. Because I don't like period pieces, but this was just crazy enough that I was like, it's and all right. it was so ambiguous. You didn't quite yes. know when it was. Yes. Like, there were a few clues here and there that gave, that gave me an understanding of mm-hmm. the timeline. And I kind of put that together myself based on my context information, but yeah. it was like, very ambiguous. Yeah. Cause you don't know at what point in time, The twins were born, but you also don't really know at what point in time Margaret is living in. Mm -hmm. Like, because I mean, I put a timeline together in my head based on. What do you think? Tell me when when Margaret was living. Margaret, when Margaret is interviewing Vida, is in the sixties. Okay. Okay. When Vida and Adeline and Emmeline are younger, it's the early nineteen hundreds. Okay late eighteen hundreds and then when Isabel and Charlie are born it's right around eighteen eighty. Okay. And their their story is taking place. Because we move from from programs, like horses and carriages, and then we move into cars. And when Adeline and and Emily are about fifteen, there's someone who knew how to drive an automobile. So that was That's just right. coming into like 1915, 1916. Okay. And then we move into we have telephones and, and things like that. When Margaret's alive, so I think based on the sixty year gap in that time frame that I kinda of put together in my head that Margaret's in like the mid sixties. I like it. I like but it. But I, I think the point of the story is for it to be ambiguous. That's why yeah. there's no outside events that yeah. color well, your understanding of time. Yeah, and I really liked that. I didn't like I didn't put it together until after the book was done. And I was like. At what point in time was this? Like that was. Yeah. Because there were. For me. Not a lot of context clues. To give me that. And so yeah. I was just like. That could have been at any point. In time. Yeah. Like, and it I kind of think that's one of the. Th- the, the devices. The, of the things. Story. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really liked that. I thought that was really cool. I just. I thought the whole thing was cool. Well. What rating did you give it? I gave it four stars. Interesting. What did you do? I initially thought four and then I thought three because I thought, well, I probably would never reread it. Right. But I also just, I don't know, really like it. Like it's it's building yeah. in me. So I may yeah. go back to four. I'm just kind of torn. Yeah, I agree with you, and I probably won't reread it because I think it's only fantastic the first time you read it. Yes, because, because I knew of so the little building. About it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because of the building. Um, because you just don't know where this is going like yes I think it's just one of those like that first time you read it mm-hmm. fantastic yeah. although I think I wonder if a reread if you would pick up on the clues Vida. yeah if you would yeah. pick up on oh that was Vida like now looking back like Hester's diary was stolen for a week that was Vida taking it like um the mysterious books being misplaced and stuff. That was Vida. Like, so yeah, like looking back, like, oh yeah, that, that was the ghost girl. And so I do wonder if a reread would give you that extra information. Yeah. And then she says at the beginning when she's telling the story, she says, my birth is a subplot. Mm. And I, I thought about that much later. And then she also says like this, um, this is a story about a haunting. Mm-hmm. And she was the house. She haunting. sets you up for thinking it's a ghost from the beginning. She does. What a turd. <laughs> she does. Yeah. No, the whole time I was like, well, guys, because you're seeing a ghost, like, Obviously, why are you so stupid? It's a ghost. So when so I many realized people it, have died there. When I realized it wasn't a ghost, I was like, oh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. My B. My, sense. Bee. my bee. <laughs> <laughs> okay okay that's, that makes sense all right <laughs> yes yeah the whole time I was so cocky I was like guys it's a ghost mm-hmm. like I don't know how you think it's not a I ghost I waiting for them to reveal the ghost and they know. never did <laughs> I know yeah or yeah or at one point at one point Margaret was like oh my god there's a dead body still in the library and she went She went, she thought it was Hester, like, yes, and I was like, Oh, that makes so much sense. No, see, I was like, No, you stupid girl, it's Isabel. Isabel never left. (laughs) I was so wrong. We were all, I was easily led astray because I was like, Yes, Hester, that makes perfect sense. Adeline killed her, (laughs) yeah, no, I had no idea. Although, no, it does make sense that Adeline would have killed her, but no, I was off the other the other (laughs) direction. It was clearly Isabel. No, she was dead. Okay, question, question. At one point during the story, after we discover that Charlie has disappeared, is it Vida that went to a hollow and found Charlie dead? That was my understanding of the way it transpired. I thought it was Adeline in the story, but I didn't figure out later. Later it was Vida. When I was actually reading it, I thought it was John that found Charlie. Because it even talks about how Charlie and Isabel went and played in that when they were children. Mm-hmm. And how would Vida know that? But we never once read the story in, in John's perspective. It was always I know. someone else telling us what John was doing. And that's why I'm like, okay, well, it had to have been Vida. But how would she have known that they played in it as children? cuz she heard and she listened and she was in the walls that's how she says at the beginning of the story she said i heard they're, the story of this like i yes. pieced like, she even says like there are no secrets in a house with children yes cuz they're always listening Cause they're even little. when you think they're not cuz they're little turds <laughs> well i don't agree with that but they are always listening i know when we would be driving. I would think Bella had her headphones in in the back seat, And I would say something. Nope. Same. So the moment she had paused it. <laughs> yep. Yep. She was like, oh, they're talking. I'm going to pretend that I'm listening to mm-hmm. something. Yeah. But no. I gave this book four stars because it was a roller coaster. And it I really had was. no idea where it was taking me. I... Fairly certain I said, "Oh damn!" out loud at one point. Oh damn! Like I literally, at one point, I was sitting there in my comfy chair, and I would—I had to just be like, "Oh God, okay, (laughs) this is so much is happening." I know, like, yeah, it just—it just kept going, and I was just like, "Oh God." And I think it is interesting that almost every character we were introduced to looped back in to the original family. Like everything was together almost all of the characters because they were a batshit incestual family they were cray that that's the truth the beginning and the end of the the whole story is they were crazy oh yeah it was nuts i'm very glad i finally read it because dear lord yeah it was really good though i enjoyed it i'm very glad that we both enjoyed it and i'm very glad that i finally chose a good book and i'm very glad that i read a book that i owned no pressure for my next buddy read then, right? Yeah. And and I even know what I'm choosing for my next buddy read. Oh, are you going to share with the class or save it? It's going to be the Southern Book Club's Guide to... Vampire Slang? Yes. 100%. I, I saw it and I was like, oh, no oh, I have to read this. And when I texted you about it, you had already heard about it. And I was like, mm-hmm. okay, this is done. I'm, yes, yes. we're reading that. There's next. a Goodreads giveaway for it right now, guys. So you can go and enter that and maybe we can all read it together. But if they enter and they win and I do not win, I will be mad. And I will fight y'all <laughs> for that book. So just beware. <laughs> I think they give away more than one copy, don't they? I don't even care. Okay. I'll fight whoever wins it and if I don't. That's funny. Even you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. That was crazy. Yeah, we talked a lot about that. But I hope you guys read it and enjoy it. And share your thoughts with us on the Instagrams. Yes. Beyond- I'm not allowed to say the gram anymore, apparently. Because you sound like a gran when you say it. <laughs> All right, y'all. Be safe. Stay healthy. Make good choices. Stay inside and read. Yes. And we will talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.